All right, guys, we are back with another episode of What's My Line, coming to you live, or taped, really, from the studios out in North Hollywood, California. I'm your host, Chris Lemtree, actor extraordinaire, and today I'm joined by a very special guest. And I know I say special guest all the time, but all my guests are special. What do you, what do you want me to say? Sue me? Whatever. I'm joined by a very special guest, the wonderful Catherine Alexander. Hi. How are you, Chris? I'm doing great. How are you? Good, good. So good to visit with you. Yeah, of course. Of course, yeah. Uh, how's things out in out in Austin? Things are good. We had about we had a beautiful week and we've got a front rolling in. It kind of is starting to feel like fall. Yeah, how's California? California's great. Like the weather's been amazing. There's none of this like I've seen people on uh, like post on social media how like cold it is out there. It's like, nope, right here it's just nice and chill. The way I, I like know. Looks pretty out there. <laughs> oh, man. Well, guys, so Catherine is actually, she's a personal trainer, but she's also a really, really good friend of mine. Um, you weren't originally from Texas, right? You're, you came from Louisiana? Yes. Uh-huh. Yep, I'm from Louisiana. I've been in Austin about 11 years now. What brought you out to Austin? Grad school. So I went to undergrad at LSU, which... Uh, I don't know when you're going to post this, but we play Alabama this weekend, so wear your purple and gold. And then I came to UT for grad school and studied exercise physiology, and I have just stayed here. Okay. It's good. I like. I always liked Austin, so hey, I understand the, the reason to stay there. Now, yeah. you said, uh, speaking of the football, didn't you guys just, you guys just played Texas earlier this year, right? We did, yes. So who did you choose? Because that's like a battle between you. I know. Well, you know, the first cut's the deepest. I feel like I'm always going to bleed purple and gold. So I was cheering for LSU. But it, it, was, um, it was harder than I expected because I, I love Texas. And uh, it was a good game. So it was like, at the same time, fun and stressful. And uh, walking around campus, like tailgating beforehand, I was in purple and gold. And everyone was kind of like heckling me. And it was kind of like, well, wait, I'm on your side too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a really weird game. I don't, I'd be fine if they don't play each other again. I did, I loved it, but I didn't. So you should have you worn like neutral colors. That way it'd be like, hey, I'm on both sides. No, you can't be a fence sitter. You can't be. <laughs> I had to pick one. Pick one. <laughs> well, the, the, who, who won? LSU won. Oh, so I mean, at least you, at least you picked the winning team. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was a sorry, Longhorns. But... <laughs> What'd you say? I said I'm sorry, Longhorns, but you know. I know, I know. It was a it was a pretty good game. Um, the lead separated a little bit toward the end, but it went back and forth. It was a lot of a lot of points scored and a very very rowdy crowd. It was a good game. What was the what was the score? I don't even remember the final score. <laughs> That's terrible. No, no, that just means you were having a lot of fun during the game. I was, yes. I was. So have you been watching any football? Uh, I've been watching the Rams, and they have not been doing as well as they did last year. But then again, they did really well last year, and then they got to the Super Bowl and kind of blew it. So, But, mm-hmm. but hey, I, I'm not one of those like flip-floppers. I'm going to stick with them. So. Good. That's what makes the victory better. 
when you've been there through the good and the bad times, then when they win, you know you're, you're all in. Right, exactly. Like I have a friend who who has been an Eagles fan forever, and when they finally won, like I could tell he was so excited and was ready to like just jump out and joy and party. Like you know, like you think like the videos after Philly won the Super Bowl. It's like yeah, because they've been with that team forever, and they finally they finally got to win in the in the the big leagues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels good. <laughs> it's like it's like when and. If anyone's a Cowboys fan, I'm sorry for saying this, but it's like I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. But when they win the Super Bowl, everyone's going to be so excited because it's been over 20 years. Yes, Texas will be very happy. All of Texas. All of them, yeah. Well, I don't know why. I, I, can you explain why they're America's team to me? I mean, at, at this point, I'm, I'm not the biggest Patriot fans either, but like I would say the Patriots are America's team. Yeah, they're. I don't know. I feel like Dallas is more lovable. Gotcha. The Patriots are like, like they're so good now. It's it's time. Although they just lost to the Ravens last Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Very, I was very surprised at that game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, get on the Ravens. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And plus, did you see in the in the Dallas game they had the the black cat to give them good luck? Yes, that was so hilarious. I always wonder, how did that even happen? I mean, come on. I know. Like, where did the cat come from? Everyone keeps, like, posting, like, memes of the cats. Like, well, did anyone ever find the cat? Is the cat still running around the stadium? Right. Maybe it lives there. Maybe. Maybe it just wanted, like, front row seats and got a little too excited. Exactly. Like, I don't blame the cat one bit. It had the best view in the house for 10 seconds <laughs> <laughs> and he got and he got some good screen time too so yeah it was a good night for the black cat exactly yes <laughs> all right well so if you guys are still listening after all this football talk you know my texas listeners i'm probably shamed them with my anti-dallas talk but we're gonna get into so cat is a like i said she's a personal trainer how long have you been doing a uh, personal training for for about 15 years now Okay, so you started this in Louisiana then. Mm-hmm. I started an undergrad. I worked at the rec center uh, as a work-study job. And then after a year or so, I got certified as a trainer. And the amazing thing about starting in college is that I got to learn at a place that wasn't sink or swim. Like, it wasn't about quotas. My supervisors were about making me a better trainer not about selling more sessions. And so it was a really great way to learn, and it set me up to be able to do it as a, as a full-time career. What was it about fitness that, like, attracted you to it? I don't know. I just, it was just kind of in me. Um, I remember being, I think I was 12, because I wanted to go to the gym before I was old enough. And I think you had to be 12. And uh, at that point, my parents bought me a membership to the, the little gym in our town. There was only one. And I would tag along with my sister, who was five years older than me. So I'd go to the gym and kind of just, really, I was just playing around until, like, through high school. After which point, I actually started to learn what I'm doing. And before, I was just kind of, like, just, like, pushing around machines and stuff. But uh, But it was a great way to 
to just jump in and learn to love it. Like, um, what was the first? Oh, I put this. Like when you went to your gym, what was the first thing you started like working out on? Like when I was little, or you mean? Yeah. Oh, like when you were little, yeah. Um, I don't know. It was like a pretty decent gym for a small town. I definitely remembered working on the machines, but then the trainers who worked there, uh, they were so good to me. And so they would show me the free weights. And there was this, there would be like some of my friend's parents in there. And they would show me like, oh, here's this exercise. Try this. And then they would say, well, you can handle more weight. Try this. And they just kind of like guided me to do better. And it's not even people I keep up with, but I mean, this is a whole nother topic, but you'll find gym communities are so supportive and they were too. I mean, it, there was no return for them to be nice to this little kid, but they did. So people would just show me like, Oh, try this, you know? And that's kind of, I just, I didn't have a program back then to answer your question. Mm. So I just kind of did whatever, you know? So you, did you study like kinesiology in college, like in, in for undergrad or? I did. So time to go to college. I always knew my parents said, you know, you're going to college. You got to get academic or athletic scholarships. Like that's your job to work on. And uh, I was just convinced I was going to the Olympics and 100 meter hurdles. And that didn't happen. So, uh so I just, you know, I applied um, for the work study program and then requested to work at the rec center. And I didn't know what else to do. I didn't know what I wanted to study, but I like exercise. So I studied kinesiology, and that's my undergrad degree. And it was just kind of the same thing rolling into grad school. Like, I, w- I didn't feel prepared to I, – I felt like I still wanted to learn more. I wanted a master's degree. And my thought process was kind of the same. Like, I don't exactly know what I want to do, but I want to learn more about exercise. And so that was how I picked exercise, uh, exercise physiology as a career um, field of study. And this is what you just, you brought with us with you to when you moved to Austin? Mm-hmm. Yes. So, Chad, when you first came to Austin, because I know now you're at a Hyde Park gym. Is that the, was that the first place you went to? No, actually, um, I I couldn't find a job for a long time. I didn't necessarily want, I didn't not want to personal train, but I did not want to work for myself. I didn't have the courage. I just thought, oh, I'll get a job. And then I couldn't find a job. It was like 2010 and so for a few months, I didn't have a job, and finally I was like, oh, I just have to train. And I worked for a, a gym that will remain nameless, just a gym that is all about selling and not about quality. And I, I lasted there a few months, and finally I realized I'd, I'd rather starve and train with integrity and train not based on selling stupid stuff that, you know, supplements that, aren't worth the money when really you could just do a smarter program 
And so I decided to uh, go out on my own. And Hyde Park is this amazing gym. And so I kind of toured a few. And as soon as I walked into Hyde Park, I knew that's where I wanted to be. So I've been there uh, pretty much most of since 2011. Now, you mentioned you've tried a few few other gyms before Hyde Park. Like, what was, like, some of the... And you, know, you don't have to, like, name the gyms or anything like that, but, like, what were some of the issues you ran into these gyms? Like, why didn't you think it was, like, a good fit for you? Well, a lot of gyms make their money by having a lot of trainers who sell. I mean, duh. But they're more concerned about quotas than they are about quality of their trainers and quality of the training. So, basically, it's just, like, this month-to-month fight to meet your quotas and beat them. Because everyone at every level is incentivized just to sell more. They're not incentivized to do better. And that's why I just love personal training for myself. And I like it for clients when personal trainers work for themselves. Because it's truly sink or swim. Like, if I don't do well for my clients, they won't return to me. And I like the, the pressure for both of us. For me to influence them positively and for them to see what they want. And then for also for them to put in the work. So it's like leading a horse to water. I'll lead them to the best water ever. And then they got to drink. You know, they got to do their job too. And places where you have just a lot of turnover, people are unhappy, people are forced to work hours that they don't want. It just, I haven't found that it works as well uh, for the client in the end. That's not to say there are good trainers out there. There there are good trainers out there at big box gyms, but they often don't stay as long. What would you say is the average uh, span of a trainer staying at a gym that that you've encountered? Probably like six months. It seems like some trainers will stay for a long, long time, and then everyone else kind of just rotates through. And I was going to say again, it it can be good or bad. Like there, there's some good people out there that are bad trainers. There are some great trainers that are terrible salespeople. So it's just, it's a weird little industry where you have to be good at a few different things to, to be good to your clients and to stay in business. When you're at, when you're at Hyde Park, was that the first? Was that the first place you had like your own clients, or did you have clients at the other at the other gym before? I I took about three clients, so it's always awkward to leave a gym, and I didn't. My goal wasn't to steal people, and some gyms make you sign a non compete saying you can't train, you know, within this radius for so many months. And so I told my clients, you know, for a variety of reasons, I will be moving to another gym. I would love to work with you. I completely understand if you want to stay, like if you like this gym or this location, I'm happy to match make you with another trainer. And so I had a few people come with me. I wasn't like a high volume trainer. I never have been. And so... Yeah, ever since I've been at Hyde Park, that's when I've started picking up clients on my own and uh, 
yeah, I'm just immensely grateful that that my people have, you know, found value in both me and the gym. Yeah, no, it's it's always a good it's always good that you can kind of create your own little community, and I'm glad that they've that they've also found value as well as well. When you had like, tell me about your first experience with your like your first client, what was that like? My first clients were so they were going to the rec center, and this was at LSU. And um, I was very by the book as a trainer, you know, like you should work these things and this order and blah blah blah. And it's not bad at all, but I I was learning as I followed instructions, basically. And I, I had sweet, sweet clients, like good clients. They were, they were either students or professors. And um, it was a really great experience. And I can see now I'm so much better, obviously. Like you would hope that in 15 years you get better. But uh, it is kind of cute to look back. And, and back then I used a training app called Train Heroic Now. It's this great software. And, um, and then I make my notes on a spreadsheet. It's so much more technical. And every now and then I come across my old handwritten client workouts and they're, they really are like adorable. Although I know I do better now. Um, but yeah, I've just always had really great clients. So they were, they were good first experiences. Was there anything that like with your first client today, was it, was it particular like, like cardio or like powerlifting was there anything particular you focused on in the beginning? The beginning was very general fitness. And, uh, you know, like, start with a warm-up. And then, and that's always smart. But then, then you start with the big muscle groups and the smaller ones and then core. And then you have a cool down. It was just very general population fitness. And... I think that's the mark of a good trainer is that you start general and you learn what you're good at. So there are things I, I do coach. There are things I don't coach. And at the beginning, to answer your question, it's just very things that would serve most people well to get fitter, you know. Mm-hmm. Like you trained powerlifting and you got so strong. And that was about strength. It was much less well-rounded. Like if you had also wanted to be a runner, you know, and and your goal was to jog, say, four miles three times a week, your program would have been a little different. But we had the luxury of saying, let's make Chris really strong. And so your program was much more specific. Now, you said there, you said there are things that you, you wouldn't do, like, for training wise, what are, what are those things? And like, why, why wouldn't you do them? Uh, mostly they're just, and some things, things that other coaches do better. So I have an amazing network of coaches and I have some people, well, okay. So like Olympic weightlifting, I don't coach. It's just not something that I've gotten good at. I have coached it in the past, um, on a basic level, but it's not something I practice enough to know that I'm, it's not something I practice enough to be a great coach at. So, or like if someone wanted to learn CrossFit, like I don't coach CrossFit, things like that. I pretty much come at everything from a strength and conditioning 
powerlifting or fitness angle. So it's just so kind I, of working within my scope. So I came to you was like, Kat, I want to I want to do some CrossFit. You're like, we're going to pass you on to somebody else. <laughs> exactly. Because someone else could do better for you, you know. Mm-hmm. And there are just some things I, I mean, it sounds bad. There are some things I don't want to take the time to learn. Not that I can't, but like I'm not a big like jogger. So let's say you wanted to run a marathon. Like I'm, I'm really not ever like bodybuilding. Uh, I can help you move your body in a certain direction, but I don't know the ins and outs of like the different competitive federations anymore and stuff like that. You know. Mm-hmm. Did you ever consider like getting into bodybuilding, like competing? I competed a few times. I competed in figure and then bikini. And I competed in figure before bikini was even a thing. So this was uh, maybe 12 years ago. And it was fun. Figure had like one-piece suits and two-piece suits. And, um, I mean, it was fun. I wasn't great at it. And then the next time I competed was in bikini because bikini is – Sometimes smaller girls are in bikini than figure girls. And I I didn't do as well. Uh, bikini requires a lot of um, personality on stage. And I just was much more rigid. Like, here I am. This is what I got. And I just, <laughs> I just love it. And I didn't do well at it. So it's just not something I want to coach someone through. Because it's like, ah, it's good for me to try. It makes me a better trainer. But not my thing, you know. Gotcha. Yeah, no, it gives you like little that extra, extra bump. Like, hey, I, well, I competed in like in figure and bikini, so it's a nice little touch up on your resume. Yeah, yeah, and it helps me realize like if someone wants to do that, here's what's involved. I know enough to know how to steer you to someone else. <laughs> Would you ever go back to competing at all? Or? Nah, no, I really. I didn't do well with the restrictive diet. Uh, And I love cooking. I love, um, you know, having a drink and watching football. And just the whole, here's a list of foods you can't have just made me want nothing but those foods. And you cannot competition diet on Oreos. You know. uh, Uh, Only you could though, right? Right. I mean, and some people have a little more balance with it but yeah it's just not my thing <laughs> no I, like i always have like the massive amount of respect for anybody who gets into competing because yeah i i couldn't put myself through the rigorous diet because like you said i'm like one of those guys like you know i want to sit back and eat whatever i eat what i want and like have a couple of beers every now and then to to go through all everything i've seen one of my friends actually is, is actually trying to compete. And I'm seeing what he's what he's doing, and I just sit there like, man, I could not do this. Like much much respect to you, brother. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of discipline. And the first year I the first year I competed, my dad had just passed away, and it was good to have just something to throw myself into. And it was a little easier to be disciplined back then. 
And um, some people are just naturally good at that. But yeah, it's like you said, like the things that your friend will have to go through for competition. It's it's a big list of hard work, <laughs> a lot of yeah. things to do. Yeah, I'll text them every so often. Like, hey, do you wanna you wanna come out for some for some drinks and watch watch the game? Like, nah, I'm prepping for the for this. Like, okay, I got you. You do you, brother. Good luck. Yeah. And some people are very good at still socializing while they have a hard diet. But I had a hard time just going out and hanging out, having fun, like having water when I had chicken and broccoli beforehand. Definitely the same. Yeah. So one thing I do like to ask everybody who comes on, like you say like you've been doing this for about 12 years, 12 to 15 years or so. If you can go back and tell young cat, like give her, give her some advice about getting into this field. What would you tell her? Like if you could, like if you could train yourself, how would you, how would you go about it? As far as business or physical training? Business and physical training. Okay. I would have told myself two things. One, well, three things. One thing that would have helped is learning to be better on social media. Kind of at a crucial time. You know, I mean, I could do better about that now anyway. So that. Not great at that. I don't love that part of it. But I would have told me to jump headfirst into learning how to run a business because I would always put that off. And a lot of times technicians do. Personal trainers usually want to train, not learn how to keep their books. And um, anyone who's good at any sort of thing, you could be a voice coach or an actor and you could be great at it, but it doesn't mean you really like researching all the business things you have to do, all the people you have to reach out to, you know, like there are certain aspects that it took me a long time to come around to like, I have to do these things. And then as far as my own training, uh, I would say my life changed in 2014. I was hired by the Austin Fire Department to work on their team of exercise physiologists. And I had done my master's internship with AFD. But then when I came on as full staff, they sent me to a conference and it just blew my mind like to go meet people who have done so much work and accomplished so much and studied so much basically in the study of exercise and training and to meet everyone and talk to them and it's such a great field because if you meet the people behind it, they're not, I mean, even the people who are very accomplished, they're very open to helping you. And so that kind of changed how I look at instead of, you know, finding an article online, you can go right to the source and meet someone who's an expert in it. And so I wish, let's see, I was about 2014, I started going to conferences and meeting people and I would have done that sooner as well. Gotcha. And mm -hmm. what would you tell, what would you hope in like the next couple of years, where would you see yourself as? Well, I like where I am now. I kind of, I wish I could help more people. One-on-one -on -one is a great business model for results for that one person. But I would like to, to have maybe more groups of people because some people don't need hands-on 
one-on-one like twice a week. So I would like to have my current clients, but then also maybe some just groups online of people who are working toward a similar goal and can support each other along the way. That's something I've been considering. Okay. Yeah, hopefully hopefully in the next couple of years. Next couple of months, you can really get that going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like your attitude. <laughs> Speed yeah, up. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, just manifest it. That's that's just my new uh, word of the month. Is uh, this month is manifesting things, speaking things into existence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like where you put your energy and where you put your uh, your hard work. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I like yeah, that, definitely. Chris. Yeah, feel free, feel free to spill it. You can, mm-hmm. you can feel it, and I'll, I'll trademark it later on. <laughs> nice. I like that. So another thing that, uh, that you work in is uh, you work with the organization called Max's Ride. Tell me a little bit about yeah. Max's Ride. Well, so Max's Ride is a, a group of people who we work together to we're, – we're trying to be done with ALS. We're trying to end ALS, which is amyotrophic lateral sclerosis. Um, you've probably heard of it with the Ice Bucket Challenge. Mm-hmm. And we it's raised, uh, Lou Gehrig's disease, right? It's Lou Gehrig's disease, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. So we raise money and awareness. Um, ALS really – it's – it's like paralysis until death. There's no cure. And there are a couple treatments that are only mildly effective. Uh, one of them extends a lifespan about statistically three months. But that is it. There's no, um, there's really no viable treatment or cure right now. And it needs to end. It's just the worst disease. It happens about twice as often in veterans. Um, I think there's some increased incidences uh, with athletes, like post-concussion, things like that. It's just, it's just the most terrible thing. So Max's Ride has been around about 13 years, and, um, and that's our goal, really, is to end ALS. Who, who started Max's Ride? Where did it, where did it, um, what's the origin of it? Who, like, who was Max, in a sense? Okay. Good question, and I have updates for you. Uh, so Max, Max is was a friend of my friend Whitney's. So Whitney Slavin Sadler started Max's ride, uh, and Max was her best friend. And he was in the military, so increased incidence or increased chance he would have ALS right there. Um, and he passed before I met him, before I met her, actually, and. And so she started this in his honor. And Whitney, um, Whitney is in Austin. She's, Max's ride has been in Austin. And it's actually, we had our last official Max's ride, which was a motorcycle ride. And it would end in a concert, silent auction, all these things. And we would just get together and have fun, but also raise money. And um, we are kind of reformulating it. Like I said, that was the official last ride. So I'll have to give you updates when they come out next year. We'll be doing a different event. Which, um, when you guys were doing the rides, like what, what kind of events were you guys doing? Was it just motorcycle rides? 
Um, the big one was a motorcycle ride, and uh, it would go like through hill country. It was beautiful, and we would end up and do a concert and sometimes just dinner, sometimes a crawfish boil, a silent auction. And it was a big family-friendly thing, whether you rode a motorcycle or not. It was fun, and it brought really interesting groups of people together because, you know, those of us who were involved were united with the same goal. And that's the thing about ALS. It does not discriminate on anything else. Slightly more males get ALS than women, um, only a small percent difference. But it gets men, women, people of every ethnicity. There's just, there's no one who's immune from it. And, and it brought a lot of good people together. So, yeah, Whitney and, and her team did and do a really great job of uniting people to fight against it. Yeah, the first time I heard, I mean, I, I, I was kind of familiar with AOS before, but the first time I really heard of it was like through the Ice Bucket Challenge. And that was when I started to research it and it's like, see all like the you know, cause of death and what, what causes it. And, and I was very like, kind of like, whoa. So I'm glad, I really am happy for the Ice Bucket Challenge because I was able to kind of bring, bring, AL, AL, bring ALS to like the main front. Exactly. And thank you for looking into it. You know, even though it hasn't been something that's in your life yet, thank you so much for researching it. Yeah, like I know people, I thought back then people were kind of like, oh, you know, people are just throwing ice over their heads. Like, well, no, it's, it's regardless of donating $10, you're still, it's still raising awareness. Mm-hmm. Because with, without that, I never would have looked into it. Well, and people with ALS, some people die so fast. Most people die about three years post-diagnosis, three years, maybe a little longer. And what happens is you don't want to remember people when they were at their least comfortable, like in the throes of a terminal illness. So you don't, like you remember the good things. And, and a lot of times it gets swept under the rug. And the Ice Bucket Challenge made people realize, oh, that is what my uncle had. Or like my neighbor had that, like. Like you said, okay, wow, this is actually a thing that's out there. And so that's, yeah, the Ice Bucket Challenge was just the, the best thing to happen for us. You know who, do you know who started that? I always wonder what was like the origin of the Ice Bucket Challenge. Who was the first person to really get that going? So there were about three guys, and they were in the Northeast. Um, one of them was named Pat Quinn, and Pat is still with us. He's still fighting it. Uh, and they... They were good friends, and they had very supportive, like, family friends, and it just caught on. And, of course, social media helped it spread like wildfire. But, yeah, it started uh, It started with um, some people up in the Northeast. I was so grateful. So you're working on some updates to Max's right. What, do you have, like, a name for the... Is it still going to be called Max's Ride, or are you guys going to think of a new name for it? You know, I don't know. Um, I don't really have details yet, and I'm not holding out on you. I really don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, whenever, well, whenever you know, just let, just shoot me a message, and I'll definitely promote it on the show as well, too. I will. I will keep you updated. Yeah, I'm always curious, like, what? I think the key to a good fundraiser is that it 
it also has to be fun as well. You know, it has to be not just a labor of love. Like it has to be something that, that people are happy to get involved in. And, you know, everyone's so busy. Like it has to be something you're willing to put your time into. So if you have any ideas or if you see anything cool out there that, that we could bring to Texas, let me know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. definitely. If I have any, like if I one day just have this like idea, I'll, I'll text you right away. Like, oh, hey, Kat, I had this crazy idea you should check out. I would love that. And the fun thing about Austin is people here are so up for anything. People are so open-minded. People here support entrepreneurs and like weird business ideas. And uh, I think Austin's a good place to try things. Yeah, definitely. I definitely agree. Austin's such a great place. It's a great community. Like you said, to try new things and just everyone's more willing to like give, give it more of a chance in Austin. And I always, like I said in my other podcast, um, as much as I love Austin, I lived there my entire life. So always, I just felt okay, time for time for a change. But hey, I would gladly come back to Austin later on in my life at some point. Yeah, you might. Or, you know, some people, it seems like more people are kind of living between two places. You know, like if you don't have a traditional nine to five job, a lot of people live in a couple different cities. Yeah, so that's my dream. When I uh, when I make it big, I'm going to get like five houses, one in Austin, one in L.A., uh, one in Australia for random reasons. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh-huh. And then uh, two, uh, you know, a little, a little place in like in, in the Northeast. And for the fifth place, I'll just keep that secret for now. Ooh, nice. I like it. Would it be like Switzerland, somewhere exotic? Mm, I keep that close to the vest. I'm uh, I'm working on doing a, a an episode of the show where I'm going to have one of my friends do like an Ask Me Anything. So I'm going to little tease and save it for that. Perfect. There you go. And I realized you said keep it secret. And I was like, where will it be? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I mean, that's good though. You try to you try to catch me off guard with that. It's great. People people try to do that all the time. <laughs> I always like say like, oh, I'm gonna keep it close to the vest. Like, okay, what is it? And then, like, I'll start to say like, oh, I see what you did there. It was yeah. good. Uh, now you caught you caught it. <laughs> well, how's so Cal- California? Oh, California's great. Um, yeah, it's I've been so busy these like this past couple of months. I've just been going to auditions being on certain sets that I can't say because, you know, reasons. And, mm-hmm. well, I, I, can, I can tell you off air, but everyone listening, I'm sorry, I can't say, say it. If you, wanna, if you really want to know, message me. But, yeah, it's been, it's been great. I, I just been, like I said, hustling, working nonstop, and just kind of, like I mentioned earlier, just manifesting, putting all my energy into one thing and making it happen. Awesome. That's what you got to do. Oh, that's hey, exciting. How's, uh, how's things in the good old ATX for you? Pretty good. ACL seemed to rat. I didn't go, but everyone seemed to like it. The weather was beautiful the second weekend, and that was good. Um, yeah, it's uh, Halloween happened. I guess that was last week. Seemed like a really long Halloween, but there was a lot of buzz about that. And I guess now it's just sweater weather. <laughs> And hey, the year's almost ending. It's crazy. Like someone told me, hey, you know, Thanksgiving's coming up. It's like, no, you're not. That's not true. And I looked at the calendar, like, oh yeah. yeah, I guess so. And then, then Christmas and New Year's, and it's 2020. 
wild. You got any early 2020 plans? Not really. I know that sounds so boring. Um, I've been <laughs> to visit my out-of-town friends a little more, just my friends I haven't seen in a little while. So I'm kind of, which is super fun, but I'm kind of looking forward to staying home a little bit and, you know, getting in my little routine here. Nice. nice. Well, staying home is always good. It's a, it's a good place to you always need, like, that good relaxation at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, by seeing seeing out of town friends, oh, I could I could always come to good old LA, see this out of town friend here. I know I've never been. You've never been really? Mm-mm. Oh man, you would love it out here. You really would. I've heard it's gorgeous. There's not a lot of purple and gold, but other than that, you you would really like it. Wait, what color are the Lakers? Oh yeah, never mind. Yeah, never mind. Are they purple and gold? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah, and if they if they if they aren't, and basketball fans listening to this, you want to like punch me? Feel free to. But <laughs> no, no, no. They're you're right. They're different. It's it's different. It's totally different shades of purple and gold, and totally different sport. There's not much LSU out there, is what no. you mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, not so much LSU. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I'm glad right. you're liking it, though. Oh yeah, no, it's it's been it's been a blast. These past uh, six months or so have been have been incredible. So it's been. I'm glad that 2019 it took me till 2019 to do it, but hey, I'm glad I'm just actually doing it now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a good time. All right. Well, Kat, put yourself over. Where can people find you at? I am on Instagram at Alexander K M A. Or my website is katherinealexander.com, and that's K-A-T-H-R-Y-N-A-L-E-X-A-N-D-E-R.com. And if they can find any information or any updates to Max's Ride at all, where can people find that? So Max's Ride is at maxals.org, maxals.org. And you can email, there's contact info on there. People can email me if you have questions or want to get involved or or need help. You know, if man, if you have someone who's recently been diagnosed and you just don't know where to start, email me. So I'm I'm out there. I'm findable. And like like I mentioned, guys, she's a great personal trainer. Uh, if you're in the Austin area and looking for someone to train with, I definitely highly recommend Catherine. She's done. She did wonders for me as well too. Like earlier this year, a little for another episode but i was in a car accident lost most of my strength i had and then working out working out with cat kind of really got me back into things so thank you cat once again for that i want to say i always i can never thank you enough for that oh you earned every bit of that and you know it but yes it was a pleasure to help you and you got real strong for people listening your squat was about 300 your deadlift i saw you pull 355 your bench was in the 200s you were uh it wasn't just a hobby. You you did great. <laughs> oh man, now you're making me bust a little bit. <laughs> nah. well, All right, guys. Well, I want to say thank you guys for listening to this episode. If any Cowboys fan that triggered in the beginning, I apologize. But hey, it's all in good fun, you know. You can trigger me on some Ram stuff, and and I will I'll be fine with it. 
But like I said, thank you guys for listening so much. Um, once again, you guys can find this podcast on Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify. It's also on YouTube as well. And I and I want to kind of little little say this. I saw the other day that I got up to about a hundred downloads on Podbean and about sixty on my other medias. And I want to. It's so awesome that you guys are listening to this. And whether it's just my friends listening or people I have yet to meet listening, thank you guys so much. It means a lot to me. I've had great guests like Amber or Ember, Chris Riley, BC, Machiko, Amy, and also Kat as well, too. So, guys, thank you guys so much. You can follow me on Instagram at the Chris Crusade, on Twitter at the Chris Lemchi, and I'll see you guys next week for another episode, and that's a wrap. <laughs>